Compounding Center Connections, where we talk about different healthcare conditions with our partner practitioners. Our goal is to provide you with information and knowledge on a variety of healthcare related topics. I'm your host, Megan Kilcarry. I'm one of the pharmacists here at the Compounding Center in Leesburg. Here at our pharmacy, we like to collaborate with practitioners and create custom medications to help patients with their various healthcare needs. In today's episode, we're talking about polycystic ovarian syndrome, also known as PCOS. And we have in today's episode, Courtney Hasseman, a certified nurse midwife from Integrative Healthcare for Women. So Courtney, please introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers and tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice. Hi, Megan. Thanks so much for having me here today. Um, so like you had mentioned, I'm Courtney Hasseman. I am a certified nurse midwife. And what that is, um, we are nurse practitioners who specialize in obstetrics and gynecology. Uh, I have a medical practice here in downtown Leesburg, not very far from the compounding center. And I care for women across the lifespan. Uh, so I manage everything from routine annual well woman exams to gynecologic needs. Uh, and what I really enjoy most is I do a lot of um, menstrual health and hormonal health. So in particular, different menstrual disorders like PCOS that we'll be speaking about today and others, as well as different hormone imbalances, including things like thyroid imbalance and perimenopause. And of course, that is how I've gotten to know the pharmacist so well at the compounding center because you were mm -hmm. always so helpful and so gracious when I use you for a lot of personalized compounded medications. So in particular, I tend to see women who are interested in incorporating things like nutrition and lifestyle into their care. Maybe women who aren't just satisfied with using a birth control pill to help cover up or fix their right. symptoms, especially when it comes to things like PCOS or different menstrual disorders. So I really enjoy doing a thorough evaluation that includes lifestyle and nutrition and, um, and really just work with the whole person to improve health and support healthy hormones, healthy menstrual cycles. Great, yeah, you definitely take a much more holistic approach um, to your practice, which mm -hmm. is fantastic because it really takes the whole person into account yep. versus, you know, just having somebody come in, writing them a prescription and having them be off on their, on their merry way. Um, you know, it, it's great that, you know, um, you're out there providing, um, you know, like I said, this holistic approach to it, right. which is, which is right. really what we need. So. Yes. And I would say most women that I care for have had the experience of a quick visit with a gynecologist who maybe doesn't seem interested in investigating their period problems or just recommends a birth control pill. And so I, I really enjoy looking at the big picture. And of course that takes time. And those are the things that I enjoy most. Yeah, great. Um, just as a disclaimer to our listeners, um, everything discussed on this podcast is for information purposes only. Um, it's not for diagnosis or treatment. And um, we're going to go um, along with Courtney here and, and learn more about polycystic ovarian syndrome or what we're going to refer to as PCOS throughout this podcast. Um, and then Courtney's also going to um, go ahead and, and, and give us um, some examples of, you know, patients that she's seen over the years and, and women that she's helped. Um, and so hopefully we're hoping that you find this um, helpful to, to um, our listeners and our viewers, um, or, or someone you might know. So, so let's begin. 
So Courtney, go ahead and, and give us a, a quick and dirty rundown of exactly what PCOS is. Right. So PCOS or PCOS, like you had mentioned, stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And what those polycysts refer to is um, on our ovaries, which sometimes you can see on women who have PCOS is we begin the development of uh, eggs to ovulate, but we don't actually ovulate them. And so our ovaries will accumulate all of these many cysts in development. And so it gets its name because um, sometimes on ultrasound, you can see on a woman's ovaries, many of these cysts in development or polycysts. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, as, as we'll talk about, we, we actually don't do a lot of ovulating or, or menstruating. So it's considered a syndrome, which means it doesn't have a real clear diagnosis, mm -hmm. um, but fundamentally it's a hormone imbalance or a hormone disorder in women. It's actually pretty common. Mm -hmm. um, I've read even up to about 10% of women of reproductive age have yeah. PCOS and that's significant. So um, it's not uncommon for me to, to evaluate women with PCOS. It's, it's, it's common. And, right. um, and the two things I would say it's really marked by would be an imbalance in several of our hormones, particularly testosterone and estrogen. And we'll mm -hmm. talk about that and also blood sugar issues. And, right. and we'll see how, um, and a lot of this can be sort of inherited and genetic as well. And of course, some of that can also be lifestyle related, but trouble with blood sugar, blood sugar balance and insulin. So we take a big picture of a, a number of different hormones and, and mm -hmm. blood work values when we're evaluating for PCS. And usually what we see is that the estrogen testosterone imbalance, and then also often blood sugar imbalances too. Right. Gotcha. So most of your patients that are coming to you that, that you end up diagnosing, um, they're having irregular menstrual cycles and periods due to this. Yes. Right. Yeah. right. So the, the usual situation that will bring somebody into my office is not having regular monthly periods. So maybe somebody has not had a period and six months or a year or more, or maybe somebody has very irregular cycles, maybe a few per year, or mm -hmm. it feels like you skip cycles. Um, or maybe you just think your cycles are really long, like, oh, well, I normally get my cycles every 45 days or every other month right. or something like that. But that's definitely concerning. So um, typically, women will come with cycle irregularities. Uh, and the other symptom that usually will bring women in would be some of those testosterone related symptoms, which is mm -hmm. usually acne um, and sometimes maybe hair growth, hair growth in places where women wouldn't normally be expecting hair growth. Um, in my practice, I tend to see women with concerns of acne and usually those menstrual irregularities. Mm -hmm. um, Sometimes, for example, a woman might have used a hormonal birth control pill for a while and thought she had regular monthly cycles. And then at some point in her 30s, maybe stop the pill and realize her cycles didn't come back mm -hmm. or she only has an occasional cycle. So sometimes we might see this presented in younger women or teens or 20s. But sometimes it might not be until someone's in her 30s. Sometimes women might be on hormonal contraception, maybe until she's ready to conceive a child. Mm -hmm. And then we stop hormones and notice, oh my goodness, I'm not getting a cycle back or I'm just not getting regular cycles. And then she begins investigating a little bit there. Mm -hmm. 
that leads me into my next question. I was going to ask, what's the normal age range um, that you see um, the polycystic ovarian syndrome in, in, in women? Yeah. So it really can be found in women of all reproductive ages. So definitely mm -hmm. teens all the way up through women in their thirties. Mm -hmm. It really depends on a woman's, I would say her experience with hormonal contraception as well. So mm -hmm. typically if, if we're using hormonal contraception for seasons of our life, we don't really know that we might have no cycles or irregular cycles. So I will tend to find it in younger women like maybe, you know, someone who's 17, 18, or in their twenties, who maybe hasn't ever used hormonal contraception and notices that she does not have regular cycles, but it's also an experience, um, like I had mentioned of, of not really diagnosing it until someone might be a bit older after using hormonal contraception for a while. And then they stop and are now kind of really taking stock of their period problems for the first time, or if they're trying to conceive and they're just not getting periods. And so sometimes it might be diagnosed um, a little bit later in the reproductive lifespan. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, what are some of the criteria that you use for diagnosing a patient that, that comes into you? Obviously right. you've talked about, you know, the, um, you know, having irregular periods and you've talked about the, the acne um, but tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what, what you do or, um, lab tests that, that, yeah. that you look at. Yeah. Um, well, certainly a really thorough health history is important because women's symptoms, um, give the clues, right? So sure. listening to someone's menstrual history, really taking time over their whole lifespan, for example, mm -hmm. when they maybe were or were not using hormonal contraception and what cycles looked like since they were teens. Um, chances are we just don't develop PCOS in our 30s. So likely this has been a pattern throughout someone's whole reproductive lifespan. So really just listening to women and getting a full understanding of their health history. And then there's a, a lot of different ways to evaluate because there's, there's not any one clear lab or, or diagnostic tool to use. So we definitely do blood work to investigate a lot of the blood sugar imbalances. So checking for fasting blood sugar and insulin levels mm -hmm. and long-term range of blood sugar control, which is a hemoglobin A1C. So right. we can look at the blood sugar evaluations, uh, definitely hormone testing. And mm -hmm. so um, if somebody isn't having periods, then we'll just test. If somebody is having cycles, doing it a particular time of the cycle could be helpful, but we, we kind of just get what we get. So when we do hormone testing for our reproductive hormones, we're looking at estrogen progesterone levels. We're looking at testosterone and those androgens, DHEA, DHEA sulfate, testosterone. So we're evaluating for um, our androgens as well. And then also some of our ovulation markers. So there's a few other hormones that can tell us a little bit about ovulation triggers. So we do, we do the hormone evaluation too. You also can take a look, for example, sometimes if you do a pelvic ultrasound, you may see evidence of those polycysts uh -huh. on the ovaries. Um, it's not always the case with women and really you don't need everything to necessarily show for right. PCOS. And that's um, kind of what makes it a syndrome. So you, you may or may not have markers on all these areas, but sure. we evaluate the different areas. So sometimes we'll do a pelvic ultrasound too, just to look at the ovaries and see what we can learn from there. Yeah. I've, um, I've read on the ultrasound, they, the ovaries will often look, have a, a necklace like appearance. Yes. So like a strand of pearls um, yes. as, as they're, um, you know, um, 
in, in the ovary there. Yep. Um, yep. That's a, a classic marker. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so treatment. So after you have diagnosed your patient, um, you know, what are, what are the treatment goals? What are kind of the guidelines that, that you go through um, right. in terms of, you know, trying to correct and turn the syndrome around for your patient? Right. Right. Yeah. So any woman who comes to my office who, you know, has that experience of not having regular cycles, there's a lot of different things we evaluate. PCOS can be one of them. Of course, we know thyroid disorder can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is something I, I help with a lot in younger women. So, you know, we kind of do this, this big evaluation for all the different things that might be related to our menstrual irregularities. And when we feel like we arrive at the PCOS diagnosis, Mm -hmm. then we really get to work. So what I enjoy doing most is working through food and nutrition. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's one area that can really be helpful for PCOS. And I think it's also one area that tends to be neglected a little bit in regular gynecology. Um, And because we know there's so much that we can do through nutrition to help with blood sugar, Mm -hmm. it's a great place to start also common for me to do women with PCOS have been shown to have lower levels of certain vitamins and minerals as well. Some of the nutrients that are important to help with ovulation. So often in blood work, we might have identified some of these nutritional deficiencies. So usually right off the bat, we start talking about how can we help change food for you? What can we modify in diet? What might be some appropriate nutritional supplements for us to use? And like we had mentioned, we, we have this estrogen testosterone imbalance, mm-hmm. and then we also have the blood sugar. Those are kind of the, the two areas that we need to focus on in treatment. And the nutrition part is really important to help moderate and, um, and stabilize blood sugar. And then um, sometimes the trickier part would be working on that uh, testosterone, moderating and help lower testosterone a little bit too. And again, a lot of that can be helped through nutritional supplements and through diet. So that's, that's usually where I go first. Excellent. Yeah. Obviously, like, like we were saying, you take that holistic approach, which is fantastic because, you know, diet exercise, decreasing stress can all have a huge impact on hormones and, and getting everything back, you know, into balance again. Yep. So Um, so if you see is insulin in resistance in a patient, like you were saying, nutrition is, is, um, your, uh, big thing that you focus on. Mm -hmm. So what kind of food choices or diet choices are you recommending to your patients? Right. Right. Everybody has a different starting point. So it's about, you know, figuring where our starting point is and just making improvements, slow and steady improvements from there. So for sure, if we are drinking sugar drinks or enjoying Starbucks beverages and munching on lots of simple carbohydrate snacks, that's where we're going to go first. So reducing sugar in our diet in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, these things take time. This is not a quick fix or a birth control pill to cover up your symptoms. So this is very much a long haul. So we're going to need to take weeks and months to make this change. Um, But it's worth it because we're going to be really healing our bodies uh, during this process. So um, reducing sugar drinks, working on eating well-balanced meals. So sometimes Mm -hmm. that means really help women uh, learn about what are healthy proteins, what are healthy fats, how can I balance each of my meals with 
healthy sources of carbohydrates and fats and proteins. Um, often, especially when we have blood sugar issues, it does mean reducing and moderating carbohydrate intake and choosing better carbohydrates like fruits and veggies mm -hmm. and, and, and adding more protein and healthy fats into the diet. So we work on that and learning how to plan our meals and, and balance our meals. Um, and, and, and again, just meeting people where they're at, cause that looks different for everybody. Yeah. Hoping that we can start removing the snacking, removing the carbohydrate snacking, you know, doing, doing balanced meals, stabilizing blood sugar over the course of the day. You talked about um, that you see a lot of nutritional deficiencies um, in these patients. And, and that's something that, you know, you look into. Um, yeah. so if you, if you find that in a patient, what is something, you know, what deficiencies do you normally see? And then what do you end up recommending for supplementation? Yeah. For good question. Um, Vitamin D, which most women are deficient. Most of sure. us are deficient in vitamin world, D. Right? Anyway, um, <laughs> but we do know with PCOS women, many PCOS women will be deficient in vitamin D. It has an important role um, in our reproductive health. And so most commonly vitamin D supplementation right. is a good place to start checking those levels and improving from there. There's also other minerals that we know are really important for ovarian health and ovulation. Another top one that comes to mind, zinc. Yeah. Um, also can be helpful to help moderate testosterone levels um, and is really important for egg development and ovulation in our ovaries. Um, and so zinc can help with that process. That, that's also a, a common deficiency. So we can check for zinc and then add zinc in as needed, especially if somebody has Acne in relation to some of the testosterone imbalancing can right. also be really helpful to um, heal the skin. Uh -huh. And so um, often we'll use a, a additional zinc, maybe even on top of a, a women's multivitamin to, to help with the healing process and also help with the ovaries. Um, so those are two big ones. Also a number of the B vitamins um, uh -huh. also important for ovulation as well. And we may or may not check for those in blood, but often we'll, we'll add those add those in too. Gotcha. Yeah. What about, um, what about other supplements that, that you recommend? Can you think of anything, you know, since you're, you're certainly more on the holistic side of, mm -hmm. of the practice, um, what other things do you sometimes recommend to your patients, you know, depending on what their lab work looks right. like? Again, I know you right. tailor it to each individual patient, but exactly. So um, if we have more of the blood sugar related issues with PCOS, then we'll tend to focus there, right? With mm -hmm. focus more there with diet, um, certain nutrients we know are important. There's also some herbs, for example, uh, berberine comes to mm -hmm. mind and can also help um, moderate blood sugar levels as well. Um, yeah, chromium. So making sure that we're getting adequate uh, nutrients for blood sugar balance there and something like the berberine, we can also add in if we need to, to help um, regulate blood sugar a little bit. Yeah. Um, one of the B vitamins in particular, inositol will also help to do that. Mm -hmm. If we have more of the androgen symptoms, then we can use some other supplements that help with androgen balance as well. Um, saw palmetto comes to mind that can be helpful for lowering um, testosterone levels. And, and sometimes 
sometimes medications are appropriate. Of course, you know this too, right? So um, there's always a time and place for appropriate use of prescription right. medications. Um, spironolactone is, is one of them. And um, I'll often see um, sometimes dermatologists may prescribe this or maybe an endocrinologist. Um, certainly if appropriate, I can do that as well. But spironolactone can help bring down some high testosterone levels. And so for some women, they might be interested in using that prescription as well. Um, especially if we're really struggling with acne or other androgen related symptoms, um, yeah. they might be up for that. Definitely. I know um, you talked a little bit about, you know, this not being a quick fix. So, you know, on average, kind of how long does it really take you to, you know, turn your patients around? Are we talking months or potentially sometimes, you know, years of really sticking to, you know, a, a, a diet program, mm -hmm. you know, give us, Give yeah. Feedback yeah. Good, good question. I would say months um, and everybody is different. So some of the women I'm thinking of in my head, um, I I've been working with a young woman who, and she actually went more than a year without a cycle. And so we began working together with nutrition, right? All these things, supplements, lifestyle, I would say several months, probably month three or so we got a first period. And it was like, ah, Yes, you know, we got a first period, Exciting, right? right? And, and then, right. And then we have encouragement, especially if we yes. begin cycling at least a little bit, we have encouragement that the things that we are doing are making a positive impact in our body and we continue them. And then really from there, she was able to see some regular periods. I think at minimum, I, I, I tell women, you got to give it three months because yeah. these aren't right. These aren't quick fixes and things that we do through diet and through lifestyle change they take time. So right. let's commit to doing this for at least three months to, to see what improvement we make. If we, if we don't get any cycles within three months, then, um, then we can reevaluate, but at least let's give it there for sure. Um, I would think within several months, women would, would be able to have cycles. Yeah. Yes. And this is really about truly a lifestyle change in order to turn around this syndrome, because I would think that, you know, if you have a patient, you know, that, that gets on your plan here, mm -hmm. um, and like you were saying is able to turn it around. I mean, if, if we kind of get off the wagon per se, I'm yes. sure they can see a return of, of symptoms. I'm yeah. sure. Not. So this is definitely right. about a, a true lifestyle change, right? Yeah. That's a really good point, Megan, because PCOS just doesn't go away. You know, right. it's not, Oh, you know, I did these things and they made a difference. And yes, I, I got rid of my PCOS. Yeah. Um, no, you know, and because we know that a certain number of women really have um, more of a genetic propensity mm -hmm. towards, for example, the blood sugar imbalance and things like this, this usually is lifetime change. Right. So this is definitely in it for the long haul right. life, you know, lifetime change because um, these will, these will always be issues with, with that testosterone. Really the issue is um, women who have PCOS have trouble turning their testosterone, testosterone into estrogen. Mm -hmm. And that process requires enzymes and, you know, all, all kinds of biochemical workings in our body, right. which, which are dictated by our genetics to some extent. Mm -hmm. um, we can help that, but we can't necessarily change that. So 
helping women, you know, reduce that testosterone and, and convert it over to estrogen. These measures will all help, but it's never really going to fix it. So right. whether that's encouraging or maybe discouraging sometimes <laughs> for women, they, they do need to realize that these, these are all important things that I'm going to need to can do, continue doing to support my reproductive system and my health right. long-term. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Courtney, how can someone reach out to you if they're interested in, in joining your practice? What's the best yeah. way to get a hold of you? Yeah, thank you. Um, my website is CourtneyHasseman.com, and that's probably the best place to go where you can learn about um, more about what I do, and you can schedule an initial visit through my website there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook if you're interested in learning more through regular social media posts too. Perfect. Yeah. And um, to our listeners and viewers, we'll obviously um, put up Courtney's contact information, you know, for you as well. Um, if you would um, like to reach out to her and, and, um, and get on board with her practice. She's fantastic. And we really enjoy working with her here at the Compounding Center. Um, so I want to thank Courtney for joining us today. And um, thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We hope you found this information um, that we talked about and presented to be helpful to you or someone you know. And again, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Courtney um, or myself. I'm Megan at compoundingcenter.com. And we hope to hear from you soon. Thanks. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks so much, Megan. This was great. I'm so thankful and appreciative for you and all of your colleagues at the Compounding Center and really for your outreach to our community as well. So I really enjoy being here. Great, thanks. We really appreciate it. Thanks, take care.